Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I would say look for the opportunities because they're there. And it doesn't have to be traditional. It doesn't have to be look like anything specific. That, that's one thing that I that I enjoy and love about you know the freedom that we have in the body of Christ and in the kingdom. You know we're we're very creative. You know that that's my prayer for the body at large. <clears throat> is that as people step out to pursue the passion in your heart toward people, you know, as you discover that people group that you want to love on and help them discover the radical love of God for them, that, that it's a creative expression for you. It, it's not an obligation in terms of, well, I'm going to go do this job, or I'm going I'm to fulfill this task, or this is an assignment. Those words are fine, but I also pray that it's a creative release for you as well. You know, I pray that it's an, express, it's an artistic expression. You know, there's an art form to everything that we do. Art being is something that's personal to you that you get to express. You know, it's not an obligation. And, and it, it, there are burdens that we carry, but I pray that it's joyful for you. You know, I pray that you, that you connect with God in such a way that you fall in love with people and that you have a genuine, unique, creative way to express that love that's just, it's you. You know, I, won't, I, won't, I will not put it on you the typical mindset of there's one thing that God created you to do, and if you don't do that one thing, then he's really disappointed in you. There's lots of different things that you're going to do for him throughout your life. Amen. You know, there's not a single necessarily bullseye. There are some spe- sometimes very specific things that he'll call you to do. They can be long-term or short-term assignments. You know, it's like just don't, don't lock yourself in. We have this expectation of it's all going to be you know, lined out, and I'm going to do this one thing that God created me to do. God didn't create you to do. He created you to be. But now that the world is messed up, there's some doing to do, (laughs) right? There's There's work to do. But we do it out of a response of love to him that translates to people. Honestly, if it ever becomes a burden, you for, if, if, it's, if it's difficult and feels like a job, you've forgotten the motivation, which is love. Yes. You know, and it's cliche, but it's true. There's no greater motivator than compassion and love for people. You know, I, I, would, I would, that's homework assignment number one. What does it take for you to fall in love with people, you know? How, where can you practice actually feeling love for people. Think, think about that. Where do you have the opportunity to practice actually allowing compassion to rise up in your heart toward people? Is it at home? You know, it probably starts in the mirror. Man, we're hard on ourselves, aren't we? Man, we're hard on ourselves. What's that? Motorcycle events. Yeah, so that's it. So the list, then the list goes on. It starts in the mirror. It's in your household. It's in your job. It's beyond that, those things, the hobbies and passions and callings that you have. You know, again, think of an area. Even just do that right now. 
Think of an area where you can practice allowing compassion toward people to rise up in your heart. It's funny, I can't really necessarily describe how I feel, what I feel, you know. Like, you know, Jesus would preach and he'd know people's thoughts. Sometimes that happens. Like, I'm not sitting here reading your thoughts or anything like that. You know, that didn't look good, did it? That was kind of, that was antennas, not devil horns, by the way. Just <laughs> Yeah. All right. And we do it by grace. Amen. We do it by his influence inside of us strengthening us, giving us wisdom, bearing his fruit through us to go into the world and represent him. So we are in this series, Living Under Grace, Discover the Power of a New Life. This is the third message. The first message was grace is greater than mercy. Unfortunately, and we always have to go back and touch this base because people just misunderstand. You know, when, when a church, and we are called to focus on the finished work of Jesus, this body, this ministry is called to focus on the finished work of Jesus, to focus on the gospel, to focus on the inheritance that we have in Christ, to focus on everything that Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection, to set the captives free, captives many times being Christians that have been sitting in churches for a very long time, don't know the freedom that is in grace. Now, Unfortunately, you always have to clarify it because when you say grace, people think mercy. So when we are heavy on the fact that we are free from the law, I mean, these are words used about the law. The law is not bad. The law is perfect. It's holy. But it was given to point out your sin, to show you that you can't measure up on your own. You're going to need God's help. And he sent it in the form of Christ who gave us righteousness. Amen. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But mercy is forgiveness. It's when God treats you better than you deserve. And then people say grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve as if it's just unmerited favor. Grace comes by unmerited favor, but it's not just unmerited favor. It's actually strength. It's an empowerment within you. And we talked about that idea of the apostle Paul went to God three times and asked, remove this thorn from my side. If you track back what he was actually saying, first off, it was a messenger from Satan. If you're familiar with this story, a messenger from Satan was sent into Paul's life. God, he asked God for help. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's not God saying no. That's him giving Paul a solution. The solution being, you don't need me to show up and fix everything in your external life. You're going to have trouble in this world. I'm not, you know, God's like, you're, it's going, their trouble will come against you. You are going to experience tribulation. You are going to experience pressure, which is really what that term means, persecution. But here's the solution, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. What is grace? It's a divine influence on your heart to your inner man to strengthen you in spite of anything that happens. First and foremost, to strengthen you to live well within that righteousness that God gave you in Christ, to represent him well, to live well of that calling, to not neglect the salvation that we've been given. Amen? But then to go, to show the world, you know, I mean, Paul standing there watching Stephen be stoned affected his heart, I'm sure. And Paul and Stephen, you know, if you don't know these stories, Stephen was an early apostle and followed Jesus and was stoned in front of... Paul, who 
was Saul and became Paul uh, and watched him. And, you know, Stephen's just like almost doing it with a smile on his face. Praise God, glorifying God, you know. And that's, that's an extreme situation, but that's grace. Grace is power. It's strength. It's when you are weak, you can't measure up on your own, you can't do it on your own. Grace, say grace, grace. is power. Grace. Amen? Amen? All right, so, and I want you to know that because you're called to go into the world and especially your Christian friends and family and talk to them about the fact that we are not under the scrutiny of the law and people will hear well, you're saying throw away the law. No, Jesus fulfilled the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. We're not under mercy, even though God continues to show us mercy, but we're under grace, which is the power to actually live the way that he would call us to live. That's what we want. How many of you want to live the way that God would actually call you to live? Then the next message was last week, and that was how to have spiritual strength, which is grace, and we talked about that. And we talked about establishing our heart in grace, establishing our heart in righteousness. And it's pretty simple. If you're struggling to receive grace, in other words, you have an area in your life that's not so much reflecting the Word of God, and I'm not just talking about sin. I'm also talking about you not, necess you not even stepping into your calling. You know, unfortunately, when we talk about grace and mercy, it's like our minds default to sin, and that is an aspect of it. We want to experience God's mercy and know that we're forgiven and experience that, confess, you know, conf uh, confessing to Him and experiencing that forgiveness that He's already extended, but then also expecting to have that power of transformation to move on. So it's very simple. If you're struggling to receive, it's, it's simple to understand not so much to put into practice. There's that laboring to enter into the rest. So if you're struggling to receive grace, that transformative power to overcome whatever it is that's coming against you, whether it be from you or externally, if you're struggling to access that power from God, to see that change in your life, establish your heart in, the, in that area in the Word. So in other words, I've got this area in my life. And, and we don't, you know, life's not that complicated. We all struggle with the same things, you know. We all have a sex drive. We all need money. We all have relationships. We all have kids, and there's just a few things. We all need food. You know, there's basic needs that you have, and those are almost everything is splintered that we deal with in life is splintered off of those things, right? So we all have an image in our minds through Christ of what those areas should and could look like. And if you're struggling in those areas, I'll submit to you. You're struggling because you don't know who you are in your heart in Christ in that area. The areas where you are confident in the Word of God in you, you're not going to struggle. It's not even going to be a temptation for you. And, you know, uh, I'm not saying you, you're just going to never have problems, but think about this. You in every situation that you face, you have a choice. Every decision that you make, ever, you have a choice. Every response you have, even if you think it's programmed and you blow up or fly off the handle or you do this thing and then you look at the wreckage behind you and you feel like you can't control it or that addiction with addiction, sometimes you got to break that physical dependency, which doesn't actually take that long. Then you deal with renewing the mind and focusing your heart back on Him. But any, any area of your life that you're either struggling 
or you feel like you're limiting God, there's one way to solve that, and that is get your heart established in the Word in that area. So the question is, what does it take for you to establish your heart in the Word in that area? For some people, it's go stand barefoot outside for an hour a day and listen to worship music, or go fishing and commune with God, come to church, have a small group, do a confession list. How many of you did your homework from last week? I gave you a confession homework assignment. Fail. <laughs> God won't beat you up, but my, I might a little bit. <laughs> the homework assignment was this. Identify an area where you're either struggling or you're not experiencing what Jesus paid for in that area. So in other words, you're struggling in this area or you feel like maybe you're limiting God. You're not necessarily struggling in this area, but you feel like there's kind of a ceiling that you're bumping up against that you want to break through, you know, whether that be walking in the gifts or experiencing financial freedom, being out of debt. You know, God says, get out of debt. If you're struggling with that financially, you know, you want to break through that ceiling because he instructs you to live that way. You can access grace to break through that. I'm not talking about prosperity so your pockets are fat. I'm talking about experiencing abundant life in Christ. I'm talking about experiencing what He wants for you biblically. And in Proverbs, it says, the borrower is slave to the lender. It is anti-God to be in debt. Amen. He's not mad at you, but it could be better. Amen. It just can be better. And so we have choices. So relating to finances, every time you come up against a decision in life that's going to affect your finances, you can make the right decision. You can. Every decision you make can be the right one because God's Spirit is available to lead you and guide you, and His Word is available to teach you. His Word is a lamp to your feet to show you the path, and then the grace is available to strengthen you to actually follow through with that decision. See, a lot of times we don't question whether or not God is faithful, but we question ourselves. It's like, oh, well, I'm pretty sure he can do it, but I don't think I can. I don't think I could live debt-free. I don't think I could live healthy, managing my temple well. I don't think I could live where I actually step into my calling. I, you know, I don't think I can live without this little pet sin that I have over here. You know what I mean? You can. You can be free. Jesus died to set you free Amen. from sin and death. This body's going to die, but you will live. Amen? Yes. Did you know that, a believer? You're not going to taste death. You pass from this life to the next, and you're already in that spiritually. Amen? Amen? Yes. You're struggling with anything, or you're limited in any way of what Jesus paid for at the cross. Get your heart established in the Word. That means... Know what the Word says. So the homework that we talked about last week, one suggestion is there's a great website, openbible.info. Click on topical at the top, put in any word, anxiety, depression, sexual desire, anger, finances, relationships. Put any topic in there. It will give you 50, 60, 70 scriptures. Write them down. Print them out. Read them. Get your heart established in it. I'm telling you, the Word of God is life. And, and, and so here's the thing. God has already cleansed you inwardly. He put His Spirit in there. But you are in charge of your heart. 
And your, the, the condition of your heart toward God will determine the degree to which you allow the Word of God to bear fruit in your life. It's, it's on you to get your heart established in the Word, in grace, in righteousness. And you, how do you do that? How do you do that? When you have an area in your life and you pray, i.e. worry, you know, if you're doing this is prayer, this is worry. For those listening, you can hear it. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying, right? Man, I'm telling you what, we pass off worry for prayer all the time. I just prayed all night long. No, you didn't. You were worried all night long is what you were. You might have had about two minutes of genuine connection with the Spirit of God where you actually believed that His promise might be possibility for you. And where it's not a mind over matter type of thing where you're making something happen, you're taking God at His word. When it says things like He can make a way where there is no way, can He? Will you let Him for you? I mean, what are we going to do? We can just keep coming to church. I hope you do, because we get to build each other up. But man, I'm telling you, we, can, we could experience so much more of the life that Jesus paid for us to have. And it's done by grace through faith. Every aspect of salvation that Jesus paid for comes to you by grace through faith. That was your homework. Choose an area to establish your heart in grace and create a confession plan. Confession plan basically just being get a collection of scriptures related to that particular area where you're struggling or you're limited. Know the word in that area and quote them. I will also add this. Quote them first person. So when Paul prays, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory, you say God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. He is able and willing to do exceedingly abundantly all that I can ask or imagine for me. Personalize it. Take it personally. Amen? Amen. If it's related to what Jesus did, it's for you. And he's, then, he, then it bumps into the realm, all things are possible for those who believe. I mean, he said that. He said that. I'm not going to try to paint a picture of what that's supposed to look like. The Holy Spirit will do it way better than I can for you. Think about that. All things are possible for those who believe. Specifically related to what's available in salvation, right? But that's pretty big. There's a lot in that. Completeness, sozo, healing, wholeness, sounds, preservation, restoration, provision, all that. Deliverance from messianic judgment. Free from fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, sound mind. Quote these things over you. Quote these things over your children. You know, take them to people who are struggling. People call you, I just want to talk to you about this. Well, you know what? Give them a scripture. You know what I mean? In a real way. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to, it's got to mean something to you where, you know, can, can you, because we're pretty good at doing it with TV. You know, it's like, oh, I just need a break. I need, to, I need to relax a little bit, turn the TV on. I need to loosen up a little bit, you know, you pop you a beer, whatever people do. I think I want to have some fun. I'm going to go fishing this weekend. You know, I'm just saying we have things that we do add going to Scripture 
and put it in you because it will produce. It'll, and it'll produce better and more fruitfully and in a sustainable way than anything in this earth. It's not bad, you know, the things that God created this earth for us to enjoy it, didn't he? I mean, it's beautiful out there, isn't it? Yeah. Georgia is awesome. Yeah. Way better than Denver? Oh, I have some friends in Denver. Um, I, I, did, I did want to address this. I have this slide, and I do want to address it quickly. I feel like there's two things. Um, our, our president, Biden, made a statement to community leaders, and he says ministers specifically in there, and he was asking ministers to encourage their congregation to wear masks and take the vaccine. I mean, that's what he said. My point is, I'm going to keep going. But I want to talk about this, this thing that is, is horrible that happened in Atlanta. You're familiar with this guy, young 21-year-old, drove to three different massage parlors, which happened to be Asian-owned, and killed eight people. Uh, three different places he went to. They finally caught him, arrested him quickly, uh, I would imagine. I mean, you know, good job law enforcement. The people are like, well, how did he make it to three different places? Well, he did it quickly. He went in, shot, left, went to the next one, shot, left. And they found him within just a couple hours, I think, right? Does anybody know the details on that? I think just in a couple hours, they found the guy, arrested him. They arrested him, and he said the reason he shot those people is because he had a sex problem. He was a sex addict. He would frequently visit those places, which I, you know, we all know what can happen in those places. And he had this guilt and so he was eliminating this source of temptation. He thought that he could, and of course, there obviously had to be some type of mental issue here for him to act out this severely. And this is a very extreme case. And I'm reading into it a little bit, but I understand the human heart in terms of what guilt can do inside of a person. It can cause you to lash out. And if you don't understand that you have a responsibility to get the Word of God into your heart, to establish yourself, to get you set free... You, there's nothing that can happen out here that will fix what needs to happen in here. God gave you a new heart, right? When you were born again, it's a new heart that has his law written within it, has his commandments written within it. In other words, what that means is the law is not contrary to you externally any longer, meaning you're opposed to it. That's what we used to be in, in the old heart. We would look at God's law and be opposed to it. You know, don't do this. Well, I kind of think I want to do that. You know, like, like this innate desire to break that law. You were opposed to it. You were at enmity with him. But he gave you a new heart that is unified with him in his ways to live. His commandments and, and his laws are basically prescriptions of the best way to live on this planet. Because they can't produce holiness. They can't produce righteousness. We know that, right? You do know that. Keeping the law perfectly did not make you born again or acceptable to God. What it did was kept your heart pure so that you could be in right relationship with him. Really, in other words, you weren't an enemy in your mind against him. Did you follow me on that? You, could, you cannot be 
what you are in Christ by keeping the law perfectly. It is impossible. It's not even designed for that. Because righteousness is ultimately a spiritual thing, and you can't do physical things to make a spiritual result happen. Righteousness is something, it's a gift that's given to you. Are you with me? I, I think about this guy, right? That guy needs to hear the gospel. And other people that are struggling, that are blaming the external world, blaming their parents, blaming their spouse. I'm telling you, there are a lot of spouses that slide into perversion and sexual immorality and they blame it on their spouse. They blame it on their husband. They blame it on their wife. I'm not getting what I need, so I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get it this way. No, absolutely not. That is, that, that's destruction. You're killing yourself. You know, that's like drinking poison and hoping that somebody else dies, you know. That's kind of a bad example in that situation. But You know what I'm saying? It's like expecting somebody else. And, and it's not taking responsibility over what's going on in your own heart. What needs to happen in any area that you're struggling or limiting God is you get your heart established in that area. Know the word, feel the word, confess the word, firsthand, present tense, until you feel it. Now, does that magically make things? So you don't do it to get God to move. You're doing it to get your own heart in alignment with God so that when he, when he says, all right, this is the way to go, your heart agrees and goes. Or he says, mm, this is not really who you are. You know, you're, you're the righteous. You are, I have made you righteous. And that is not reflecting the righteousness that I've given you. Go this way. In other words, don't try to get that need met on your own. Go this way. I have a fulfillment for you. Whether you realize that it can happen through me or not, it can begin to move toward me. And then, and then you know, there, there is such great joy in overcoming temptation. And not even just dealing with sin and temptation, but also experiencing the abundant life that he wants through you. Amen? Amen. I think we went a little too far into the cold region. I see coats over legs and stuff. Is Courtney still in here? Maybe you can bump that air off a little bit. Thank you. I see some shivering. We're going to hear chattering teeth in a minute. All right, a couple scriptures here. You know, this whole series is kind of based on this idea, Romans 5, 1. Uh, and two, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, say, I am justified. justified. You can figure out what you believe in your heart, and you can figure out whether you think it's up to you or that it's a gift given by Jesus when you say things like, say it one more time. Here's what I want you to do. Say, say I'm justified, but then kind of where does your mind go? Where do your thoughts go, and how do you feel? I am justified. Now, I doubt anybody in here means or is thinking, Phew, that means I can sin. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't think anybody would genuinely think that. But what you might think is, you might feel the need to qualify, well, I'm justified because of Christ. That's appropriate. That's fine. But if you feel, mm, I don't, I don't, I'm not justified. I'm dirty. You don't understand what Christ has done in you. You still think that you are that old dead man that Christ cleansed. Let's keep going because I have good news for you today. Therefore, since we've been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God means there's nothing between us and Him. 
our relationship is whole. There's nothing that he's holding against us because he's already dealt with it in Jesus. Now, Romans 6, okay, Paul, are you saying we should continue in sin? No, God forbid. Don't you know we're under grace? In other words, power to live this? Amen? So through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoiced in the hope of the glory of God. So you're struggling or you're limiting you want to go into that grace, and it's not necessarily just his favor. It's a strength to stand in, to live that way, right? All right, so these next couple of passages are going to kind of unfold a little bit deeper, said a little bit different way, the idea of accessing grace by faith, which you need. Say, I need grace. Amen. Amen. And that's not just, oh, God, I really need, I need God to kind of be nice to me even though I don't deserve it. That's not what grace is. Grace is super empowerment. I like that one. Ephesians 3.12. In which we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So, you know, here you see access by faith into this grace. A little bit more of a nuance. That faith is in Him. So your faith in Him is what accesses the grace. Are you with me? So are you trying to figure out how to access this grace? Well, it's faith in Him. Why faith in Him? Because He is in you to live through you. And so you're not just checking out asking Him, God, will you please do this through me? It's no, let's do this together. Do this with me. Show me. Give me the strength to step into this and live this way, to overcome this issue or to break this limitation. So, uh, in whom we have boldness and access. Now, it's con it seems contradictory because we're taught we need to humble ourselves. Humility is not um, afraid. Humility is not weak. Humility is not, um, there's a word that I'm thinking, opposite of confident. Timid. Well, I, actually, what I was thinking was arrogant. Because if you're boldly declaring the word of God, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am holy. I am cleansed. I have a new heart. I follow God. I am accepted in the beloved. God has highly favored me. He goes before me. He protects me. He makes things happen for he goes, he makes a way where there is no way in my life. God gives me the power to get wealth. God gives me wisdom. Boldness is not arrogance. Boldness is your faith is in him. Arrogance is it's in you. It ain't you. However, there's a nuance there where you do have to own the identity of the bold of boldness, of righteousness. You can't just say, I'm a dirty vessel, but, he's, but he kind of winks and looks me at me as righteous. No, you actually have been made to be a new creature in him. The righteousness of God in him. Amen? Why? Let's keep going. Say, keep going. Okay, I think I will. I'm going, to, I'm going to get myself out of order, but I just I feel like, let's read this. So this is Romans 3.21. But now, apart, say, apart from the law, 
and then I'll read this part. The righteousness of God has been revealed. Say this, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. I'm making you say a lot today, aren't I? I don't do that a whole lot, but it just seems like it's happening today. You good? Lyle, we good? I'm following. You're following, all right. <laughs> uh, think about that. Apart, now, honestly, honestly. I mean, I know I'm preaching. I know you're in church, and it's like I'm getting hungry. But, but I want this to be a meditative exercise for you. You know, use this even as an art from the law. Right faith has been revealed apart from the law. Now, the religious would say, well, you better watch out. Are you saying you can go into sin? And then, and then of course, he gets into Romans 6 where he says, no, God forbid. What? what? We're talking about living in a way fueled and empowered by God to live in a way that you can't live on your own. Why are you talking to me about sin? Oh, you must think righteousness is the absence of sinful behavior. Is that advocating sin? No. Righteousness apart from the law has been revealed. Should you continue in sin? Of course not. That's dumb. Why would you do that? That's treading salvation underfoot. He's not going to kick you out of his kingdom, but I don't recommend it. It'll kill you. Apart from the law, righteousness of God has been revealed as attested by the law and the prophets, and this righteousness from God comes to say, my righteousness is from God. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Again, faith in Him, and when you have faith in Him, you access this grace, and then this grace makes you powerful. There's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm justified freely by grace. I dare say it's scandalous. Let's go back to this, talking about this accessing boldness, confidence, right? What are we actually doing? This even makes it even more practical. We're actually going into something. Look at this, Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is living and active. See, that's what we're doing. That's why I want you to speak it and see it and feel it and sow it you know, whatever else you do to cope with life, the Word of God is not coping. It's putting it in there so life reflects what God says it can reflect, what He paid for. Amen? Get your heart established in the Word. I did some preacher pounding on that one. The Word of God is alive. You know, the Word of God is not just letters on a page. It is that. It is inspired from him. It's amazing. We have that. I'm so thankful that we have that, but it needs to go beyond just letters on a page to something that's alive within you. You know, give the written word an opportunity to become the living word in you, and it will. I mean, have you ever, I know you've experienced it. You're sitting there read. You're like, I'm going to read four chapters of Romans today, and then you get halfway through chapter one, and you get stuck because you're just like, oh my Oh, this revelation is coming, you know, that is coming alive within you. I would say put that into practice, put that into action. Don't just sit there and think, man, that was really cool. Do something with it, amen? So, for the, so the Word of God, the Logos of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing soul and spirit, 
joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart, judges to even reflect back to you, hey, this is your motive here. Get yourself back right because you're, get yourself back focused because you actually are the righteousness of God in him. Don't forget that. Realign yourself to match who you are. Put on the new man in your mind. Renew your mind. Repent. Turn around and, and quit thinking that way. Go this way in accordance with who you actually are in him. That's, that's God, the Holy Spirit, through the word judging your heart. But don't let it condemn you because he was already condemned for you. If you read the word of God and you feel that poke and you're like, oh, I need to go this way. Don't let it turn into condemnation. In other words, a guilty sentence because Jesus already took that for you. Amen? So that's part of the repentant process is to acknowledge for you. Not to step into permissiveness, but to step into power. Amen? Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and exposed before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now that scares people, but remember, as he is, this is, uh, is it 3 John, 1 John 3? As he is, so are we in this world so that we can have confidence in the day of judgment. So when you hear things like this, you must give it an account. That's not, he's not going to judge you to see if you get into heaven. This is a reward thing. I'm not going to go into all that right now. Let's keep going. Uh, Hebrews 4.14, continuing from where we're, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. You know, I, I love this. Jesus knows what you're going through. He was a man, tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. He knows exactly what you are going through. He knows exactly what you're tempted with. Think about it. Every temptation you ever faced, Jesus faced. I mean, think about that, you know. Here he is, working hard, and then Mary comes along. And she's smelling good with all that perfume, wipes her feet with his hair, his feet with her hair, and he's a man. Are you with me? And I'm not trying to cheapen him in that moment, but he was tempted in every way, like we are, yet without sin. If he can do it, you can do it because he lives in you. That's grace. Amen? And joyfully so. Not where you're just gritting your teeth and bearing through. You know what I mean? Like joyfully so. There's joy in yielding to grace. Not just, well, I didn't give in today. Praise God. That's not real victory. But have one who is tempted in every way. Well, there it is. Yet without sin. Let us, let us then. All right, so remember that we're going into we're, our faith in him accesses grace. Now, it's, it's like more personal what this process actually looks like. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. What does that look like? So that we may, we may receive mercy and find grace to help. You see the difference? Mercy and grace to help. Mercy, I forgive you. Now, here, take this with you. See, we're really good at going to God and getting mercy and forgiveness and then walking away and still feeling like a dirty worm. You go for mercy 
you experience that forgiveness, you walk away with power. You walk away with a boldness, with an expectation to not have to go back and repent for that stuff again and again and again. I mean, some denominations, it's, that's, that's the limit of the expectation of repentance. Come down and apologize for your sin every week, maybe once a month. Brush up a little bit because you're just, you know, your heart is evil. You're wicked. We all fall from sin. You know, you have dual nature still. It's, it's like depressing. No, you are, you boldly go into him for mercy and power. In your time of need. Amen? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, open for us through the curtain, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance there's so much language about the heart. You know, when we say that, we, we, I don't know that we really grasp that he's talking about an aspect of your being. You know, we think heart, that's just kind of a metaphor for some kind of nebulous part of you. No, your heart, you, you, you see. You know, he prays that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. You want Paul's prayer for you, that your, the eyes of your heart are enlightened. There is, you know, you have physical senses, you have spiritual senses. You think with your heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life. Above all else, guard your heart. Your heart is that new you. It's that inner man. It's that place that God created new. He put his spirit within there. Your heart is directly connected with the spirit of God. Your heart hears God. It knows God. It knows what God wants. It knows how to follow him. But we're so used to thinking up here and then allowing it to drop down and, and, and distract our new hearts so that we get overcharged by the world again rather than keeping it sensitive to him. him. That's, why to stay. That's why you should stay out of sin because it hardens that heart. It hardens that area where you're connected with God and he can strengthen you and lead you. So draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Honestly, think about this. This is homework assignment number three. <laughs> Go home this week at some point, sit down, remind yourself of Hebrews 10, 22. See yourself drawing near to him in full assurance of faith. Faith in him, remember? Because that's what your faith is in. In him, not you, in him. In whatever area that you're wanting to sow the word into, having your heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, that's what this, that's what this guy need. I'll, I'll say this. Don't just expect mercy or forgiveness. Expect grace, power to change when you go to him. You know, that's what this guy needed. This guy that's struggling with this sin, and now he's ruined his life and killed people. I mean, it's, it's tragic. But we're, people are doing that. They're, people, we're, you know, that's, a, that's as extreme as it gets practically. But that's what guilt will do in your heart. And you can boldly, with confidence, in full assurance of faith, go to God and have your heart sprinkled from a guilty conscience. That's a, that's a you know, this is Hebrews, so it's all recontextualizing the new, using covenantal language, the new priesthood. That's what he's doing in Hebrews. He's showing the old covenant Levitical sacrificial priesthood 
showing how Jesus is that new eternal high priest. And rather than you taking your offering to the priest and he symbolically transferring your sin to the sacrifice and then he kills the sacrifice and sprinkle. I mean, that, that temple, that brazen altar was a bloody place. And that blood sprinkled that then was carried into the presence of God represented your atonement. Well, the blood of Christ, Jesus is your high priest. And he takes the blood of the sacrifice, his own blood, and he sprinkles it not on the altar, but on your heart to cleanse it from that guilty conscience. We, we just don't really appreciate the depth of which he is in, engaged with us to minister to us. This guilty conscience, and we think we're going to stay away from him, and I feel kind of bad, and, I don't, and, and, we, and we distance from him. No, go to him. Fully exposed. He already knows. Not arrogantly so, waving your sin, but humbly, but with boldness. It's, it's a paradox, right? But that's what he says to do. Go to him boldly, knowing, having full assurance of faith in his blood. And what does it do? It cleanses you. It sprinkles you. It clears that evil conscience. That's what we need. That's what keeps us trapped in sin is the guilt keeps it going. The strength of sin is the law. The effects of the law are guilt. So, yes, you have the, the strength of sin is the law, but the deeper mechanism that makes that active is the guilt that comes from the law. If you're walking around with this guilt and this shame, you will continue in sin. And, and unfortunately, performance-centered Christianity is kind of giving you permission to feel guilty all the time. Almost, almost as if it's a virtue to feel guilty. As if humility is you should feel bad. Well, I'm not saying you should feel good about your sin, but you should go to him and say the same thing he says about it, and that is he's removed it from you. Because when you don't allow that guilt to be removed, transferred onto him, you will repeat the cycle. You will repeat the behavior. You will. If you feel guilty... For your behavior, you're going to continue it. Now, I'm not saying you should just, well, I'm just not going to feel guilty anymore. I'm just going to do it and enjoy it. No. Come on. You know what I'm saying. You process the guilt the proper way, and that is you take it to the Lord. And you thank Him for having paid that price. So you will not experience that judgment that He experienced on your behalf. But you do experience the freedom and the benefit of what that sacrifice brings, having that conscience cleansed. You know, knowing that, that, that the handwriting of ordinances that was against you was nailed to his cross, not so that you can get away with it, but so that you can be empowered to live within it, within, within righteousness. Are you with me? I think, I think a lot of, of performance-focused Christianity has done a disservice to the body of Christ in, in, in kind of strapping on this bag of guilt and shame. Shame on you. No, shame off you. And, and the truth is in the tension of the paradox. 
not to transition into permissiveness, but to take responsibility for the grace. Amen. <clears throat> with the heart we believe, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. That's a process. Do your homework assignment. Make your confession plan. Amen. I'll, I'll, I will, uh, I actually, I think I already put it in last week's blog. But specifically, confess your identity in Christ until it makes you bold enough to confidently go to God when you are weak. Confess your identity in Christ until it makes you bold enough to confident, bold enough in Jesus, obviously, to go to Him when you're weak. And not just when you're weak, but when you, there's a limitation. Because that's what we're talking about. There's issues in your life that you need to experience the, righteous, the power of righteousness within you so that you leave that thing behind. But there are things that God has for you that you are limiting because of you're carrying around this guilt and this shame. You don't think you can do it. You don't think you're good enough. It's for somebody else. I've been struggling with this thing for so long. I just feel bad about it. Well, you know what? You, you, you are using your guilt as an excuse as just as bad as continuing in sin because both things are treading underfoot the blood of Christ. If you're walking around in your guilt, and, and now... Let's just kind of get down to the bare bones. I'll make this last point and then we'll close. How many of you have ever struggled with sin? The temptation comes and you're like, well, you know, I'm already this far. Guilt does that. Boldness will say, wake up. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. No, no. Jesus faced this. Jesus, help. I'm weak right now. Right? Not, well, you know, tomorrow I'll try again. Because we've all done that, and we all continue to do that in some ways. Especially in those emotional, nuanced ways that we, we beat ourselves up, or we withhold love from each other, or we, you know, I mean, it's like this, is, this gets into the real areas of life where we carry this guilt and we don't allow our conscience to be cleansed. And your guilty conscience is repeating the cycle and killing you. It just is. Don't you want to be free from it? Then honor the blood of Christ and go to him and recognize what he's done for you and live within the power of that. And there's transformation on the back end of it. It is what the word of God will do. It is what a genuine encounter with the spirit of the living God in his throne room, and he sits on a mercy seat of grace, not a judgment seat toward you, an encounter with him in that place, and I'm not talking about some kind of charismatic, mystical thing where you float up and you see the spare body parts room and people talk about that kind of stuff. He's like, whatever. If, there's, if that room's there, whatever. I'm talking about in your heart, you're connected with the throne of grace. You have an encounter with him there. And you experience the cleansing of your conscience to be free from that thing, to recognize, I actually am free. I do not have to live within this. I don't have to entertain this guilt and shame and continue down this path. Guilt is an excuse to continue in sin. Quit using it. Let him wash it away. Amen? Let's stand up. Put our attention on the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for this plan of salvation we have.
We thank you so much for the power of your grace inside of us. And we all commit in this moment to quit using our guilt as an excuse to continue to feel bad about ourselves and destroy our lives. I'm not going to do it anymore. I am worth more to you than my behavior. I am worth more to you than these things that I allow to continue to disrupt my emotions, to disrupt my behavior, to destroy my relationships, to destroy my future. Every time I start to get ahead, this thing happens and it sucks me back down. I want to break that cycle. I don't want that stuff in my life anymore, Lord. I don't want to struggle with it anymore and... I don't want to limit you anymore in these areas. I want Jesus to get everything that he paid for in my life. I want to honor you and glorify you with my behavior and with the fruit that you bear through me. So, Father, I thank you. Now, just, just take just a minute. Use your imagination. God gave you an imagination. It's all right to use it. Whatever it looks like for you, don't think, well, is it real? Is it not real? Just, just imagine what his, because his throne room is real. Imagine what it looks like. What does his throne look like to you? What does the Father, God, Almighty, King of the universe, Sovereign Lord, look like sitting up there on his throne? And what does it feel and look like for you to boldly walk up to him? It's okay if you're aware of your failures, but you watch him cleanse you. He takes the blood of Jesus and he continually cleanses you. Jesus says, I mean, it says of Jesus that he is that eternal and faithful high priest continually interceding for us, continually with a door open to go to him and have that evil conscience and that guilt cleansed because Jesus legally paid for it. And, it, and, it, and it's basically, it's like you are... If you think about it in terms of light, you are this light, eternal being before God in that place that has stained itself, but those stains just wash away and you stand pure before him. And see, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the strength of this. Here's the strength of this. If you can go into that place and experience the actual reality of being righteous and holy before him, then when you step back into this earth, that is who you are as you step into this earth and live that way. Do you see that? You come back into this place having affirmed your righteousness and who you are in Him to step into this place in the power of the righteousness that He's given you. Amen? Thank you, Father. We trust you. We love you. You know, if you don't know the Lord, you're watching. Just be willing to believe that what He did was for you. Just say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I'm willing to believe. And we actually have a page on our website. Uh, you can just go to forward.church and click on who is Jesus and read more about that and get in touch with us. Father, I speak life and blessing over every single person in this place. I thank you for the Kretsu family and the um, McBride family that has come together and the joy and the honor that we have as a church body to send them out. We are sowing them as a seed into this, into this area to bear a harvest, and we call in a great harvest. Father, I thank you for those that are inspired watching them, that they rise up and step out. And whatever it might be, and whatever, however small that step might be, Father, I thank you for boldness in their hearts to step out, 
boldness. How many of you want boldness in your heart to step out into that thing that God would call you into? Just let him, let him bear that, let him work that through you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for that boldness in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.